Hello, and welcome back to the Self Healer Soundboard. Today's episode is inspired by listener comments under a recently released episode entitled How to Deal with Toxic Situations, where more than one of you were wondering if it's possible to heal those toxic situations or dysfunctional dynamics. So we're going to dive into that topic right here today. While in some toxic situations that we recognize are unsafe for ourselves or others, the best choice then would be to exit that situation. There are many of you who continuously ask this question. I, years back, myself included, was asking this question probably to you, honestly, Mm -hmm. Nicole. Um, What do you do when you're in a situation that feels toxic or a relationship that feels dysfunctional or is dysfunctional and both of you are wanting to heal. So we're looking at that dysfunctional relationship and those patterns as a trauma bond. And when in that trauma bond, when you're wanting to do the work and your partner or friend or the other person in relationship is also wanting to heal, how do we go about that? Because reality is not all of us are in a dysfunctional situation or relationship and just want to leave it. Many of us actually want to see if if we can break out of those patterns and can break out of that dysfunction and actually heal the relationship with the other person once we realize our true self and they realize their true self and our actual true authentic selves can connect versus this trauma bond connection of our dysfunction and our past being here in the present. I think a really great place to even just normalize as we're beginning this conversation is the reality that most of us have dysfunctional patterns in our relationships, whether or not they're our romantic relationships or our friendships, professional. Anytime we're talking about dynamics, often what we're relying on well into adulthood are early dynamic patterns that we learned in our earliest relationships. And again, very common, a reality of being human more or less is that we were raised by other humans. And chances are, right, those early relationships weren't a safe space, didn't give us the space to be fully who we are. So as we often do, we adapt and we then take on roles, dynamics, thoughts, feelings that we either express or don't express and continue to repeat them. So that's what we mean when we're throwing out a concept like trauma bond. And again, the large reality for most of us out there listening is that there are some patterns in our active relationships that are a remnant of those older relationships that maybe don't create that space or that safety to be who we are. But to speak to your point, Jenna, it might not be so much that we have to leave or create separation. There is a way to begin to work through those patterns right in the relationship that we're in which all begins with awareness as most or really all things do that we talk about here in each of our conversations and really in everything on the journey of healing begins with awareness and awareness of self first. And for me, that's incredibly refreshing because once I realize that this dysfunction or the trauma bonding or all of that chaos is really just a cluster of dysfunctional habits and patterns based on what I've recreated from my childhood, it gives me a sense of freedom where I can then start to see myself and the other person sort of, you know, less as these two people that are, you know, really going at each other and have no hope there, but more so two wounded people or just two individuals who are 
acting as a series of patterns or a cluster of patterns, not actually our true selves. I really appreciate you acknowledging that, Jenna, because I know a lot of us, we, we carry shame when we do become conscious or see habits in our relationships that don't work. I do think a lot of us entertain this idea that there's something inherently wrong with us. If we're not feeling fully connected to our partner, you know, we might assume that it's because that we're not lovable or we just can't create those connections. And chances are that there is something in the way that we're showing up likely similar to those adaptations um, that we utilized in childhood that are creating that particular distance. So going back to this, the first step of awareness, that means becoming conscious of how do we show up in our relationships? Which things are working? Which things aren't working? What are the role that our thoughts are playing? What about our feelings? Are we able to show or express our feelings? And diving deeper into feelings, what about our emotions in terms of how do we navigate those? Do we express them calmly? Do we erupt? Do we push people away? So it's having that observational hat on to see what are the dynamics that are in place without judgment, like you very beautifully said, just seeing them for what they are will then create the space to, again, see the role that we're playing and give us opportunity to make new choices somewhere down the line. I think the most powerful part of what you just said that stands out for me is seeing them for what they are and being the self that is seeing ourselves. Now, Nicole could observe me for years and gift me with her view of habits and patterns or cycles of mind that she can see, though it doesn't do me much good or give much value or opportunity to change if I'm unable to see them. So it will, for each person, begin with yourself standing in reflection or sitting in reflection with yourself, maybe journaling, learning what your own cycles are, how you are in relationship. You gave some examples of maybe you blurt your feelings out or maybe you disconnect. Maybe you don't share your feelings at all, though subconsciously you expect your partner to understand and know your feeling and then project onto them or react to them as if they know what's going on with you all along. Meanwhile, You've been over here in a corner not saying anything at all. So, And there's nothing wrong with that. That's not a place to shame. It's not good or bad. It's just something to observe that, oh, in childhood, for me personally, I didn't express my feelings. If I did go to express my feelings, I was very much shamed. If I cried, I was teased or tormented by both of my brothers or my dad and was mocked or it was seen as something weak. So over time, I know a lot of other people have experienced that too. And over time as an adult, that has resulted in me sort of harboring all of my emotions internally. So when I give that example of not sharing emotions <laughs> at all and expecting your partner to just mind read and know them, I haven't loved that about myself, though it gives me so much empowerment and opportunity to grow when I can depersonalize that. And when I sit in reflection and realize, oh, okay, well, I see why I recreated that cycle. I can look back at my childhood and see how the same emotional reaction, the same emotional maturity or immaturity is present here. So all of those points or moments of reflection about our emotions, about how we engage with another, what sort of cycles of anger or rage or projection or cycles of connection or maybe disconnection. Maybe I don't feel safe enough to connect. 
Those are observations that I want to have and sit with, maybe journal out about myself. I need to have language and be able to articulate for that for myself first before I'm then able to go and share that information with my partner in hopes of creating an open, vulnerable, accepting communication where we can both learn about one another. But I can't learn about the other person or attempt to grow in union with the other person if I don't know the self that is over here representing me in that union. And I think you're bringing us to, right, that the next step in that. Once we've spent time in that self-exploration, then we can make that communication and, and we we ought to. We would benefit by letting the partner in or your friend in or whoever it is that you want to consciously shift those patterns, letting them know because it, it might and likely isn't clear to them what's going on either, right? They're going to be reacting or responding to their perspective or things that they can see or on the surface. And without having the language, they might not have the awareness of what's driving that pattern. So then letting that person in and communicating that so that they can then hold a deeper level of awareness the next time you're expecting them to mind read right? Maybe then in that moment, they can help you or bring to your awareness this deeper pattern. Same goes for receiving from this other person their awareness. So as Jenna goes on her own self-exploration and becomes aware of these patterns, it would really benefit me to hear what insights she's having so that both of us now understand each other. So that in those moments of high reactivity or when we're both shifted back into those old patterns, we can have a, a voice outside of ourselves. And of course, it all matters in terms of delivery, timing, right? Screaming this in an argument probably isn't going to be received well by your partner, communicating this at a calm and a neutral place so that in time, we can utilize that outside reference point. I'm going to insert a gentle reminder here that this does not happen overnight. It's not going to happen in the first, second, maybe even third conversation. As Nicole's sharing, you know, you can come to this realization about yourself and the other person too, and you share that with the other and you think, okay, great. Now we've shared. Next mm -hmm. time an argument or something dysfunctional comes along and you're screaming at each other, then there can be this shame or judgment of, well, we know, we know the other person's childhood. We've expressed with each other what our cycles and patterns are. Why are we here again? It's going to take time and practice and also a mutual understanding and compassion, really, that you're both working towards the same goal. You're both working towards this authentic connection. So while you do begin to practice sharing yourself, sharing what you've observed about yourself, because it takes that reflection step first, when you then go and share that, I think just being honoring with the other person that, you know, this is a road that we're going to continue putting one foot in front of the other on. We're not going to just share once and then magically be able to understand each other. Now, I've known Nicole now, we've been merged together for three years now. And it was only two days ago, I think, that I shared with Nicole who after an argument or something where, you know, we'll need to take space, Nicole will be really kind. And her kindness terrifies me. And it makes me physically, internally so uncomfortable. Like I feel like I'm going to throw up inside. And I realized that it 
to me feels so mistrusting. Like that kindness immediately signals like she wants something from you. There is not good intention here. Like be on guard. And to Nicole, then, if she's being really kind to me, trying to repair after a difficult conversation or an argument or something, and that's scary to me, I physically feel unsafe and I freeze up, then I just go into this sort of freeze and either dissociate, don't say anything, or my actions to her just don't represent that inside. I'm like, oh my God, please hug me. Yes, I want to like repair. I want to reconnect but I can't get there. And I've realized that in me and I have only just recently shared that with you. So I give you that example because this is something too with whether it's your partner or a family member or a friend, likely if you can identify that you are in a trauma bond relationship with someone that you are invested in healing or wanting to attempt to heal, there is a goal of love there, of this authentic connection. So there is a commitment and there is a devotion. And when you continuously show up for that, you're going to find that three years down the road, you're still going to be discovering things about yourself that when you do, it is going to be so helpful and in service of your relationship to first identify it for you. And then in a moment that is not dysregulated, that is not heightened, but that is neutral and grounded to then share that with your partner, even when that that takes courageous vulnerability. It's not comfortable for me to share these deep, dark parts with someone when I've spent my whole life really being misindependent and not putting my walls down and almost looking at that as a badge of armor, as if it was something really high to regard when really the true badge of honor, I think, and the real work comes in being able to expose yourself vulnerably in an authentic way where you're allowing yourself to feel safe for the very first time and trusting in another that they're holding that space for you too. I appreciate you bringing up that example and we'll speak directly to how it is to be on the other side of that. And as someone, you know, who has a very similar adaptation that, that Jenna does with in childhood, again, not for different reasons, not feeling safe to express my own emotions, became really avoidant of my emotions, really didn't feel safe to be vulnerable and almost paraded around as if I didn't have emotions in my relationships. Yet again, found my way to this pattern by first identifying that over time, historically in all of my past relationships, I never felt emotionally connected to people. That would actually be the thing that would end or would contribute to the ending of all my previous relationships, wanting depth and not feeling like I had that depth. So again, a bit of reverse engineering by identifying an unmet need. My emotional needs aren't being met. Okay. How, why is that the case? Taking time to explore my patterning. Well, Nicole, that's the case because you don't bring them into the relationship. And again, understanding my own past and clear as to why I didn't. Now my job becomes to I want someone to meet me in an emotional space. I have to show up on my side. So again, sharing my background to acknowledge that that's a very vulnerable space for me after conflict, a particular emotion, anger, ew, that's very uncomfortable for me. I'm making myself vulnerable. That was an act of vulnerability, I should say, walking into that room to repair, to come back together after that conflict. I was raw. So until three days ago when Jenna <laughs> gifted me, you know, with what was going on, 
I would feel rejected. You know, I would be like, wow, geez, I'm opening myself up and here's a limp fish on the other side of me, or maybe even at times an active rejection, right? So without this awareness, it doesn't mean that I'm still not working through vulnerability and maybe a little bit disappointed, wishing she were to be able to be open in any given moment. I would be, I can have a new experience of that. I can hold an awareness next time Jenna does that of where she's coming from. I can hold compassionate space then that she just might not feel safe to reconnect in that moment. And that's going to leave me feeling much different than without having this information. It's kind of like an awareness bank, I guess you can think (laughs) about it. Like I now, I have an awareness bank for Nicole and Lolly and it takes, and for myself, you have to have one for yourself first. And it takes learning. It takes really being in it, being on the field in life and being an active participant and being aware of that, being conscious to being an active participant, because we're each participants in our lives, whether we want to be or not. Many of us are not active participants. We're not conscious or aware. We're not intentionally choosing. We're just going through the motions. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. We understand how after so long, humans get to a place where you do dissociate. You do just sort of autoplane through life and lose that connection to your soul, to your intuition. I know so often, even when we say the word intuition, people are like, well, you know, how do I tune into that? How do I get that? How do I find that? When it's just inside of you, it is the true you. And the more you can visualize, the more you can see your patterns, those habits, that dysfunction, the cycles of your childhood. And if you don't remember your childhood, then look at your life in the present. Look at your life over the last couple of years in a really radically honest way and and look for yourself and see how things are going. Then you can pretty much assert how childhood was because We recreate that. We recreate those same situations and we'll continue to go through them until one day something or someone comes along and helps us wake up. And suddenly, for whatever reason, we're at a point in our journey now where we want to be aware. We want to learn about ourselves. That's why this podcast even exists. It's why any of you listening and watching are listening and watching because you're interested and you're invested and you're waking up. So the more that you have that awareness of yourself and put that in your awareness bank, then in moments of non-conflict, sharing that with your partner, which for many people, myself included, I know it's for many people because if I'm experiencing something and there's 8 billion of us, I'm clear that many other people are as well. Experiencing or sharing what's vulnerable and intimate to me when I grew up sort of being a lone wolf, really, with my two brothers and no one really around. We did raise ourselves. We didn't have attunement. There wasn't anyone checking in. There was no one teaching boundaries or matching my emotion or even seeing and validating my emotion. There was just immediate shame for any emotion. Everything was seen as a weakness. And then largely, no one was really there. So I end up being this adult sort of floating around the world, really needing to ground myself in my own self-awareness so that that comes with me. My little awareness bank comes with me wherever I go. And I have that as a gift 
to give the other people that are in my realm. And the more that I can gift that, the more receptive and open that I can also be to hear their experience and to understand them, to learn you know, Nicole's past and, and Nicole's present and Nicole's patterns and have awareness over that. So when we are in conflict or when we are in a repair after conflict, because conflict is human, conflict can also be really healthy. It's how we respond to it and the aftermath of conflict that really keeps us in the same old or allows us to evolve and grow forward. And being able to hold space and awareness in that repair and understanding is very freeing and almost naturally depersonalizes it because then Nicole can understand that, no, I'm not rejecting her, which would then probably just further disappoint or upset or anger her. And no, Nicole's not coming to me with bad intention, trying to manipulate or hurt me with her kindness. It's genuine. And when we can both see that about each other, you can almost get to a point eventually where you can kind of peel back and and laugh about it in a way and think, oh, that was like a little wounded Nicole reaction interacting with a little wounded Jenna reaction. All these things that are just patterns, they're not actually us. We have awareness and space for that and gratitude for that. And then we can set that aside and look at, okay, well, what do we really want to do? We want to come together and do the scary thing together. We want to be vulnerable together, which means accepting that love, accepting that kindness. And Nicole holding space and accepting that I might still be a limp fish as she hugs me, but I'll let her hug me. And eventually I will warm up and blood will come back into my veins and I'll hug her back because my body does have to go through a feeling of unsafety to safety. And Nicole could literally hug me or hold me through that. That's what it looks like in action when you consistently show up for yourself and then show up with your partner in that same space outside of the conflict. Then you can actually have that sort of existence after a conflict. Even expanding right this, this idea of awareness into the space of togetherness, allowing yourself to hear from a trusted, safe loved one, of course, how you are being experienced. What is the response or reaction or emotion? How do you view me letting in someone else's perspective? Because again, we're so limited by ourselves, by these patterning, by what we think it is and how we think we're showing up and what we think we're communicating that we could be shutting ourselves up from the very valuable second set of eyes of observation of someone who's not us, who might be able to bring to light, well, yeah, Nicole, you know, or you think you're, you think you're, you know, leading with this, but really my experience of you in that moment is a bit opposite, or it's not landing as you thought it was. Maybe you're relying on, again, an older way to get a need met. And I would have had no way of seeing that if I didn't allow myself to hear someone else's perspective. Now, again, it doesn't mean that I have to adopt it because my loved one said it, that's what their truth is, it means trying it on for size, hearing you know, what Jenna's perception of me in a given moment is. And the next time that moment arises, and I assure you it will, playing that, looking from it from her vantage point, trying it on for size, seeing if there is something in your experience that you could be missing. Because again, we are all so blind. And this, of course, 
is when we have that trusted person, right? So I think we could have even began this conversation by acknowledging or having a commitment with this other human that we are on this journey together, that we're both committed, maybe not even sure of what lies on the other side, that we will translate our trauma bond into an authentic bond, but getting curious, can we? Being open to seeing the direction that this new relationship can take. So once we know that we're committed and we do have a well-meaning loved one that's going to be walking this journey with us, then we might feel safer hearing someone else's perspective. And again, that can be so valuable because we are all so blind and we can't see what we can't see until someone else helps us to see it. And that could be the person that is working through this with you. We did an episode, a couple episodes back, and uh, something about multiple realities, about, about multiple realities mm-hmm. existing. I don't remember the exact title, though you spoke to that a little bit here, which is what you're saying. What Nicole's feedback to me, I might not agree with it. I might give Nicole feedback on observation of mine that Nicole may not agree with, it doesn't mean that mine doesn't exist or isn't valid. It is very valid for me and hers is very valid for her. And it's so important what you just said about being able to hear the other person because we are each very committed to (laughs) being heard. We all want to be heard. We all have communication inside of us that is going to burst out one way or the other and needs to be expressed. So our hope or our demand almost Mm -hmm. or expectation of others is that they hear us when we speak. How often are we fully present Mm -hmm. and surrendered to completely receiving and authentically Mm -hmm. hearing and listening to another person when they're emptying out their own self-expression? It's certainly not all of the time. And that will take practice where If you do want to be heard and you are working at something with your partner or this other person, and it does require a space of mutual communication, of authentic communication, then that means being able to also then sit with whatever it is that they're sharing and allowing that to be. You don't have to agree with it. You don't have to adopt it or take it. Though, if you are working to say, heal this trauma bond, or that is the goal, then you do have a self-requirement to be able to accept and open yourself up to actually hearing them, to genuinely listening, not just hearing the words and the sounds that come out, but (laughs) really getting their feeling. Like You can feel it. It's palpable. If you're in an intimate conversation with someone and you're sharing with them, maybe they're on their phone or doing something else, you sort of feel... you are left feeling like all of that communication is still over there with you, right? It's, you don't feel gotten. When someone is present with you and genuinely listening, you can see it in their body language and they're just surrendered to actually hearing you. When you have that full expression of communication, you almost feel emptied out. Like there's nothing left to say. All of these conversations and perspectives become so, so very valuable then and actually build the foundation to allow us then to shift into the second step, which is choice, beginning to break that patterning, beginning to walk through these the discomfort that will be inherent in any new choice and beginning to actually, as we often talk about here, embody a new way of being, making a new choice, showing up differently in that moment. And your partner can be very helpful 
in that as well, um, creating the space for the newness, right? Both of us acknowledging that there's going to be discomfort. We might fumble our way through beginning to express our emotions. If we're someone who's not used to it, it might not come out as calmly, as eloquently as we imagine we would like it to. But that next step of change really does mean creating the space and doing something anew with someone else without necessarily even knowing what that outcome might be. And what's coming to mind actually is a a moment the other day where you had expressed, right, a, a desire for something. And after having had these conversations of awareness, I had come to the realization that what you were expressing was something new, right? You wanted a closeness that didn't feel safe in a particular moment and giving the opportunity, right? Hey, Jenna, do we want to try something new together? What, how can I show up in this space to help you feel safe enough to come into me, to approach me, to be close with me? And again, all of these conversations might be exploratory. We might not know the answer, um, though we can come together to figure out how to shift a dynamic where both parties are actually involved in the service of change for that one person. And while we're talking about everything here in relationship with another, right, it's healing a trauma bond with a partner or a friend or a family member, everything we're talking about so far has been self and another. So if you are not in a partnership or a relationship where you're identifying with this idea that we're talking about ourself and another, and you're like, hey, it's just me over here, everything we're saying still applies. In fact, Doing the work now while not being in partnership and focusing on just you is, I honestly think, a divine gift. I wish that I had had this podcast or my learning of trauma bond and all of this work before I met Nicole, before I met Lolly, so that I could have not brought so many things into a relationship that I still needed to heal from. And it's probably a disservice to even say that I wish that. I wish for things to be exactly as they are. Uh, And so it is. I'm grateful for that. Though what I'm really saying and what I'm recognizing is that there are so many people out there, we hear this all of the time, who are either not in relationships and want to be or are in a relationship, maybe that's not working and they want to heal from, right? So immediately they go, those people then go to the other person. What can I fix or change about the other person? Now, there's actually an advantage to all of you out there who don't have that other person right now. And it is just you because there is no outsourcing. I'm sure your mind will still find a way to externalize something and try and fix and change an environment around you. I know that's absolutely what my patterns will be to, you know, when the environment's different, I'll be different. That's not the case. So when it is just you and you can take all of that energy that you would give a relationship, all of the devotion that I give my relationship with Nicole and Lolly, that's just all for you. That is a beautiful time to immerse yourself in the embodiment of everything that we're speaking about here on this podcast, because you're in such a golden time to focus on you and reflect on you so that when you do choose to enter a partnership, the awareness bank of yourself that you are bringing to that is tenfold. And the energy around you that you're creating, not only with your own embodiment, but 
actually physically around you in the universe, the energy that you're attracting is going to be aligned with who you're becoming, that best version of yourself. When you're creating and doing that work on you, then that's what's going to show up. That's why so many of us find ourselves in these trauma bonds and are thinking, oh my gosh, how do I heal? What do I do? How did I get into this trauma bond? Well, like attracts like. You have created the same situations around you that you have always known that were your habits and patterns. I have sought out relationships and situations that would recreate my childhood experience. Being able to have that awareness now gives me so much feedback and information to not make myself wrong, but to also have a little compassion for all the past versions of Jenna that would maybe attract and engage in relationships that weren't necessarily healthy or that were toxic and that were trauma bonds. Well, why were they there? Because that was the energy around me. That was my weather. That was my embodiment. It was all of the past. When you can become conscious in the present moment, do that self-reflection, have awareness of the past, then you can actually choose to create a new present and a new future that is not dictated by recreating the past. I really love um, that reminder and acknowledgement, Jenna. And I also want to, again, remind us all to expand that conversation, not only just to focus on our romantic partnerships, right? These patterns are in all of our relationships. So for many of you, it might look like beginning with friendships, maybe beginning with our family relationships, or maybe for you, it's in work, right? We're able to become conscious of some of these dynamics that no longer serve us. So again, I think we do have a tendency when we hear relationship or hear conversations like this about trauma bonds and authentic relationships, we get really narrow and we do, if we're in the romantic relationship, then it applies to us. And again, I want to gently remind us all that a relationship is a relationship. And for me, while when I first met Lolly, we were very much, there was a lot of trauma bond, dysfunctional patterns that were present. And while we were working to change those, I also had a lot of work to do in my relationship with my family. I also had a lot of work to do in how I was showing up in my professional relationships. And all of the patterns mirrored itself. I wasn't acknowledging my needs across the board. And I was feeling very, very resentful of all of these circumstances and relationship experiences, not just in my romantic relationship. So again, acknowledging that the first relationship we always have, like you very beautifully are saying, is with ourselves, and then looking at any other interactions that we have with other people, chances are we will see those same dynamics. And we might even choose to start in a relationship area where it doesn't feel so loaded. It doesn't feel so risky. It might be that the work relationships are the ones where I can experiment with a new way of being to develop the confidence then to turn and begin to then apply those new choices in a relationship where it feels scary or where there feels like there's more risk. I think the best way to set ourselves up for healing a trauma bond relationship, whether it is with a romantic partner or family or friends, whomever it may be, is to expect that there is going to be conflict. You're already in the trauma bond. You know that there's conflict, but to expect that to still come up again at some point, just because you're both devoted to healing and creating this new space doesn't mean that suddenly everything 
that didn't work or wasn't workable is just eradicated. And I say to expect it because it's in those moments where you and the other person are really challenged with maybe for the first time trying to hold that space to hear the other person, to learn about the other person when you're still getting really frustrated and you're really heightened. That's when you need to show up the most. It doesn't mean we get to just tap out and bail. So in those moments, don't expect it to go swimmingly. Take a moment and breathe. Maybe you tell your partner and yourself, hey, I need to take a moment and pause. I'm going to go do some breathing. I'm going to take a few deep breaths. I'm getting too activated right now. Let's pause and come back to this later. That's also a very mature and responsible way to approach a situation with your partner that you are trying to mend, that you are trying to heal from you are still going to get into those challenging moments. So now it's an opportunity for you both to create a new response in those challenging moments. You don't just dip out and bail on them. You still go through them together, but now you both can create a new space to focus on your own self, your own body, maybe actually holding your own heart and feeling your own heart rate and just taking a moment to pause and step away. That's a huge, big new decision in major service of the direction that you and that relationship are going. I actually love that we've gotten to this place in this episode, Jenna, because what you're saying here in terms of these really heated moments of conflict and their inevitability and how to navigate those is, is a whole mouthful. You said a lot in that very concise way. And I actually think it might be really helpful for us to put a pin in that topic and dive into the actual how-to, how to navigate those heightened moments, because it's in those moments where we are most challenged, where all of this great awareness goes out the window. And in those moments where it is really important, like you're saying, to embody a new choice. So on that note, um, stay tuned. And I'm hoping all of you do tune into next episode where we really do dive into the how-to of how to navigate conflict um, in a way that, that can be healthier and that can create space for these moments of repair and for these moments of embodying new, more authentic choices for the betterment of the relationship. So as always, we thank you for tuning in. We are always listening as those of you who have been hearing most of our recent episodes are coming directly from the conversation that's happening, whether it's on our YouTube channel, the Self Healer Soundboard, or whether it's on our Instagram account. Those are, those are great places to go to leave us your comments, leave us your feedback, and leave us your questions for future episodes. As always, looking forward to continuing this conversation with you during next episode.